Welcome to the RV Podcast. This is episode 444. And in this episode, we talk about an EV trailer that actually propels itself. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Runlin, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And this is episode 444 of the podcast, and we are pretty excited. We've got a lot to talk about wow, this week. Wow, 444. Yeah. We uh, are going to meet two former employees of Tesla who left that company and have started their own company, which has developed an, an amazing EV travel trailer that they call the Lightship. I like the name. Lightship is an excellent name for it. It's a, it is very cool. And then um, we've got, of course, lots of great RV tips. We've got the RV news of the week. We've got all sorts of uh, RV hot button topics that uh, we'll talk about from social media. And uh, we're going to also show you in this podcast uh, a really innovative way to use that controversial artificial intelligence tool called ChatGPT. We're going to show you how you can make very short work of your RV planning, planning your trips with uh, AI, artificial intelligence. So that's coming up in a little bit. Pretty neat, huh? Very neat. This AI stuff is... It's frightening, but it's neat. Yeah, it is. I don't know quite how to feel about it. Uh, hey, we have a great new giveaway that uh, we're announcing this week, and it is a free membership in Camp Nab. And that is a really helpful service if uh, you've had trouble getting a reservation at a park or an RV resort, finding it completely booked. What Camp Nab does is it scans the reservation uh, manager for those different parks, sometimes as often as every five minutes. And when it finds a cancellation for the parks that you want, it will send you a quick notice saying, hey, there's an opening, a cancellation. You can get a spot, call up and get one. And then you better move as quick as you can. Yeah. so that you can get it yeah yeah that's for sure you do because man they snap them up fast anyway uh we are going to give away a membership in camp nab uh and they have different tiers different levels that you can join at uh and ours is at uh probably their top level it's a 270 dollars value and if you want to learn more about it you just go to rvlifestyle.com slash sweepstakes you can enter as many times as you want and in two weeks, we'll announce it. But that is a really good, uh, a really good uh, prize. We're really excited about giving that away. Because it's hard to find a spot. It is. And any help you can get is worth it. Well it worth it. It is. All right. Time now for the social media buzz. What are RVers talking about? Uh, our Wendy Boyer is at uh, uh, the helm of uh, RV Lifestyle's Facebook group now with I mean, uh, I can't even keep track of uh, the 100 uh, plus thousand, 175,000 members plus. It's probably 176 as I speak. It changes by hundreds every day, new people joining. And Wendy is part of our team that keeps track of social media. And uh, this week, she's going to tell us all the cool stuff that uh, people are talking about on social media involving the RV lifestyle. And I was uh, looking and seeing spiders and i was thinking should we have saved this one for halloween <laughs> that's right all right wendy what's the deal with spiders hi mike and jen i have one word for you today and that word is spiders 
I know we're all camping outside and we're gonna experience wildlife of all kinds. But one post that's getting a lot of buzz is from Lauren. Lauren wrote, y'all, spiders. Seems Texas has the most to other states we've been in and I just can't. They're always creeping on the walls and the ceilings. I'm over it, any tips? Well, so far with 250 comments and growing, she's getting a lot of tips. Some are saying that they kill spiders immediately upon arriving at their campground. And others are saying, as you can imagine, don't do that, we're in their home. Many are sharing their own creepy spider stories, but my favorite was from Stephanie in Georgia. Stephanie showed us a picture of what I would call a big creepy spider, and she wrote, this beautiful lady was about the size of my palm at our campsite two weeks ago. Not aggressive, not trying to attack us, not crawling on us, just going about her business. They are the best insect repellent you can have. Thanks for that reminder, Stephanie. Next, I'd like to share with you a tip from Kathy. Kathy made her own homemade spice rack that was so cute. Kathy says she's a weekend camper, and so she brings her own spices with her uh, when she goes camping. And what she did was she purchased some little baggies, some curtain clips, and then she attached those clips to a rod that was right by her sink in her kitchen. And then she labeled, of course, the spices and dated them when she put them in the little plastic baggies. And it was just, voila, super cute. Um, spice rack that's taking up no space and by the comments it's going over really well and then the last thing I'd like to share with you is my favorite kind of post I admit and that's of a good campground Patricia was recently camping in Arizona and she stayed in several campgrounds that are run by the Arizona State Park System she said they were only $20 to $35 a night and they included electric and water nice spacious spots, good restrooms, showers, and wow, by those pictures, were they ever stunningly beautiful. Thanks for sharing those, Patricia. That's it for me this week. I'm Wendy Boyer, and I'll be back next time on the RV Lifestyle Facebook group. Well, those are really good prices, and we're going to have to check them out ourselves. We will. Next time we head out that way, put that on our list. All right, when we come back, the RV interview of the week, and this is really amazing. It is uh, one of the most innovative uses of uh, EV technology on an RV we have ever seen. This is a towable trailer that looks unlike anything you've ever seen before that will actually propel itself and help you tow it better. Coming up right after this. The one thing that can ruin a perfect RV trip is a bad mattress. And believe us, we know. Over the years, we've had many and found all of them wanting until now. Now, we sleep on the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Quite simply, it's the best we've ever slept on. We chose a queen-size Aurora Luxe Medium firm mattress that arrived slightly rolled up in a box. All we had to do was put it on the bed, unroll it, and wait for it to recover from the compression. And then we put the sheets and the bed covers on and found we slept so well on it that we ordered another one for our home. That's how comfortable it is. Our sleep is now so luxurious and deep that we can't imagine using a different mattress. The RV Mattress by Brooklyn Bedding comes with a 120-night sleep trial 
and a 10-year warranty. Shipping is free. If you're disappointed with the current mattress in your RV, you owe it to yourselves to try the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Something else that's very important is that Brooklyn Bedding manufactures all their RV mattresses in their own factory in Arizona. This means they're able to use premium materials at a reasonable price for you, with no middleman bringing up the cost. And right now, if you visit rvmattress.com slash rvlifestyle, you'll get 30% off your mattress with the promo code rvlifestyle. Again, use the promo code rvlifestyle for 30% off the cost of an RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. We're sure you'll be as thrilled with your RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding as we are with ours. It really is the most comfortable mattress we've ever slept on. Welcome back. And uh, as you might suspect, 11% of American households own an RV, and the vast majority of those are towable, such as a fifth wheel or a travel trailer. And that's the market that we're going to focus in on today, those of you who uh, tow a trailer. Uh, our guests are Ben Parker and Toby Krause. They are co-founders of a brand new company called Lightship, and they are uh, targeting uh, this new uh, trailer that they are building. Uh, it's battery powered, it's self-propelling, and it's going into production next year. Uh, these guys both have worked for Tesla, have extensive experience in EVs, and they're now transferring their skills over to the RV market and creating what looks to us to be a very interesting new camper and uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about it and when you see it uh, those of you who watch this on youtube will have some video of it in use and you can probably see it in the in the uh, cover art for this podcast as well but they call it the light ship let's meet uh, ben and toby well ben and toby join us right now from different parts of the country and uh, first of all Thank you guys for spending some time with us on the podcast. Let's start off. Uh, Toby, why don't you explain your guys' history with Tesla and the whole reason uh, the the EV uh, is really starting to take off in the RV industry and where you guys expect to fit in this niche? Yeah, we um, so Ben and I, uh, we, we kind of joke, we're from different generations of Tesla. We both spent quite a bit of time there. Um, kind of collectively from 20, uh, 2009 to 2020 and um, a, a bit of different backgrounds. So my, you know, my background is more on sort of the finance and business side. I led the finance team there and spent some time as a product manager. And then Ben was a battery engineer. And we, we got together, um, you know, a, a bit later on after kind of our, our Tesla uh, careers were behind us. And um, Ben has a, has a funny story about, about his sort of the inception of the idea uh into rving but, but what i can say is we kind of got together and we both really wanted to work on uh you know the next wave of electrification and had had done a lot of camping had done some rving and um and really became inspired to to work on bringing all electric products to to you know this pastime which is you know obviously such a popular pastime um and uh and yeah i think i think kind of what really what really convinced us and brought us together is just is just you know the experience of being out the, in the outdoors and then also um an understanding of like how 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 many americans like this this pastime touches and as many of your listeners probably know one in ten american families own an rv and 
and the RV has has not changed in in, in many respects in, in in decades. And we just saw an opportunity to to make uh, you know an awesome an awesome pastime even better. Well, Ben, were were both of you guys uh, RVers before? I mean, did you uh, camp and do a lot of this? And uh, from your perspective, what what how did you and Toby decide to do this? <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story. Um, road tripping and camping were were really big for both of us. We, I would say, we we really kind of become RVers, uh, you know, through working on Lightship. Mm-hmm. It was when I was when I was first thinking about the company back um, was it that f- the first summer of COVID. I did a it was my my uh, my jumping off point was to to leave Tesla after five years as a battery engineer and uh, go take a, a three month about a six thousand mile trip in a in a mini Winnie. Uh, Win- Winnebago motorhome, and that was uh, I, I grew up on an island on the east coast, a five, five by ten mile island, which made uh, made RV road trips tough, tough growing up, and um, so it was really kind of getting into it for the first time, and you know meet, meeting people on the road and at, at campgrounds, and and you know of course getting tours in their in their RVs and, and and learning a lot about about the one that I was in, and we've since. I don't know. We've since probably tried out between the two of us, maybe a, a couple dozen, a couple dozen RVs, and have done a bunch of different road trips together and 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 solo. The uh, the some of the inception for this was that I, I was uh, I, I had a before before it was RVs, it was food trucks. I, I had an idea to, to try to electrify all the food trucks uh, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area because I I had a, it just killed me that they were all running gas generators when I knew that. You know they could have a battery and solar system, and and would you know would be cleaner and quieter and all, all all the things that you want when you're when ordering food there, and that was that kind of morphed into our being that as 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 COVID drew near and I was I was just learning more about about the pastime and seeing you know seeing that there was a really awesome product to to be built um, that that was was all electric and 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 solar powered. So from food trucks to an RV, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to show some pictures of it, but uh, Toby, start off, explain what the light ship is. Uh, and when people hear the, how do you have an EV trailer? They get the fact that it is solar power for your appliances, but uh, how is this so unique from anything else that is on the road today? Yeah. So when we say it's, it's all electric, that, that means two things. Um, you know, number one, which you touched on, which I think is a, is easier to wrap your head around, is it's all electric. Uh, you know, amenities inside the vehicle. So we're you know using a heat pump, we're using an you know, inductive uh, cooktop, and all of that is running off of a big battery system and and a, and a solar system on the roof. Um, and then there's a second part of it, and the second part of it has to do with uh, towing efficiency, and and anyone who's who's uh, you know, taking an RV out behind an electric vehicle has experienced this, you know, viscerally, but people who have just done regular RVing have, have also experienced it. And, and what the towing efficiency problem looks like is when you're pulling an, an RV, regardless of what type of tow vehicle is, you know, you're, you're using, you have um, an efficiency problem. If you have a gas tow vehicle, you're probably used to getting, you know, 20 to 25 miles per gallon. And then when you're towing, all of a sudden it's like nine miles per gallon. Then when you have an E, you know, if you try, you know, to do this with an EV, the problem is, uh, you know, is very acute and very noticeable. Most EVs these days will have a 300 mile range, and um, and 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 actually, there's been more and more sort of news about this. But uh, when you tow with an electric vehicle, all of a sudden that 300 mile range becomes more like 
a hundred mile range. Um, and so, you know, for Ben and I, you know, coming from, you know, working on electric vehicles for most of our, our, our career and, and, and being believers in electric vehicles, you know, as sort of a movement, we, we sort of see this as a, as a fundamental problem. If electric vehicles are, are going to, you know, be adopted by more and more folks, and, you know, more and more different you know, demographics of people beyond just the early adopters of electric vehicles, they need to be able to do real things and they need to be, a, and, you know, be able to, uh, in particular, tow. And so, you know, going back to, so what, what does an you know, all-electric RV mean for us? We're solving that problem. And, and the way we're doing that is by putting a propulsion system in the trailer. So even though it's a trailer, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a motorhome, um, it actually does have propulsion. It's a relatively small electric drive system, but it allows the trailer to, uh, to push itself and effectively negate, you know, the, the additional drag of of the trailer while towing and, and what it's doing is basically you think about the force on the tow hitch it's basically making that force as close to zero uh, as it can it will never be zero and it'll never be pushing um you know really focusing on 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 safety and and, and keeping some force there is super important to us but we want to want to really minimize that tow force so that you can go back to what we would say is a you know a zero range loss or near zero range loss uh experience so how far can this thing, uh, how far can it self-propel then? Yeah, all, all the all the testing that we've done so far indicates that we'll get a, a 300 mile highway cruising range. Um, so this, this is not even an EPA range yet. This is like, if you're on the flat ground cruising at, at highway speeds while towing an L1, it's about a 300 mile range. And then what about the charge? Well, after, if it, if after you exceed that, can you, it just, Tows like a regular, uh, regular trailer. Yeah, exactly. It'll be it'll just freewheel behind so you. you freewheel. That's the term. Now, uh, talk about the design of this thing. It is really a sleek looking outfit, and and it looks truly like a light ship. Uh, <laughs> Toby, talk about that name and the design, and uh, is is it uh, aesthetic or is it functional? Um. I'm actually going to let Ben tell you the story of Lightship because it's act, it comes from his personal history. It's a fun story. Um, and then we can talk a little bit about the design. Yeah. What, what is a Lightship? Uh, a Lightship is a, is a mostly forgotten piece of U.S. maritime history. I, gr I grew up on the, the island of Nantucket. Dad's an innkeeper there. Uh, it's off the coast of, of Massachusetts. And I always saw this boat in the harbor growing up called the Nantucket Lightship. What these were was think of like a floating lighthouse. It's basically two, in, instead of having sails on the mast, two would have these giant Fresnel lenses. And that, uh, the, that image, that memory of that boat stuck in my mind, it's this big red steel hulled boat. And so when I was thinking about company names later on, I, you know, I wanted to connect it back to my, my childhood on Nantucket because I, I love the island and it's, it's history. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, that's a good name. Actually, that's a really good name because you don't need to know what exactly a light ship is. You don't need to know the detailed history for it to the name to say something to you. Because like 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 you're saying, Mike, it uh, you see the vehicle and you think, yeah, of course, that's a light ship. It's this modern, you know, super sleek bullet shape that where the na the name just clicks with the with the with the visual and the um, the design. The design of it, I would say, is is it's modern automotive. Right, this thing it, it looks it doesn't look like a box. It looks like a like a vehicle that's meant meant to go down the road and has 
has the same sort of styling that you would expect when you buy a you know a brand new a brand new car or truck. That was that was some of the inspiration. Although it's you know it's interesting when the um, when the form of the vehicle changes when it's no longer a typical passenger car shape, but you apply the same styling to it, it looks like something completely different. Like you've never seen something that looks like this on on the road, and people people I mean people take take notice. You know, it, it looks like a, the traditional old that we started off with two decades ago, a pop-up camper. Yeah. And there are still uh, a lot of RVs out there, you know, that have the roof, they'll come up and stuff. But when this thing opens up, uh, I'm amazed. Uh, how much does it weigh? And, and talk again about the practicality of this design. Mm -hmm. the, um, the, the, the gross vehicle weight is 7,500 pounds, so full, fully loaded. The, you know, the goal is that you want to be able to tow it with um, a, a large capable SUV, some, something like that. And, um, so that, that's kind of the, you know, that's the, that's the target for the vehicle. And there'll be, there'll be, there'll be capacity for cargo and, and, and your holding tanks and, and things like that. And, and Toby, it seems to me, it, I, I see elements of the classic Airstream almost, uh, when I first looked at it, I said, wow, that looks like a really slick air I says, wait, no, that's something more. But uh, there's no slide outs. What's the interior? What's the practical use of that shape? Maybe you could talk about that, Toby. Yeah, I um, I mean, you, you kind of see some 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 little sort of breadcrumbs in sort of like the design heritage. And, and one one other RV that's sort of notable is the Hilo, which is, you know, you, you yes. probably are familiar with. And that was that was the that was the very first road trip Ben and I ever took uh, was was in a Hilo. And. Uh, it's really, really, you know, really cool trailer. And you can kind of see like a little bit of the inspiration having a hard sided pop up. Um, if you look at, if you look at our design, so, you know, sort of like modern automotive, uh, you know, on the outside, um, we could have stopped there. We could have, we could have said, okay, like, you know, the inside is going to be fairly conventional. Um, but uh, we didn't do that. Um, we sort of, you know, took the opportunity to rethink what the interior uh, of the RV could could look like just as we as we did on the exterior, and um, this really came from a lot of you know work that Ben and I did talking to RVers. Um, you know, first like on our own, we 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 interviewed dozens and dozens, and then you know as we became uh, you know a little bit more formal about it, we we did more kind of like user surveys and talked to you know we're able to talk to in a in a more quantitative way talk to you know, thousands of people, and and I think what we really learned is that. Um, I'd say like, you know, conventional RV design, I, you could sort of characterize as like, it's got everything in your house, but it's small. And, um, and some people like that design. I think that's, you know, I think that's a, that's a good approach for, for, for a number, number of users, but there, there's, there's a large demographic of, of folks who, um, who don't need that and, and who sort of like want to, want a little bit of a, you know, a different, uh, you know, uh, interior feeling. And um, so, so what we really wanted to do is make everything really open and really usable. And so, if you go in, if you know, you go into the light ship, um, it's got a bathroom in the back, and then the rest of of the you know the inside is just one awesome sort of like open, airy uh, space. It, it kind of feels almost like a studio apartment. Um, and then what we need to do is we need to um, have really you know elegant ways of of meeting all the different needs. You know hanging out with your family, drinking a glass of wine, you know, late at night, uh, you know, putting the kids to bed and, and like having some sort of, you know, uh, you know, sound and light insulation and then, you know, sleeping yourselves. And, um, and so we, you know, we're doing that through, through, uh, 
sort of intelligent, you know, conversions. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about it. I think kind of the, you know, the first sort of feedback we've gotten uh, from, from folks on the design has been really, been really, been really positive and, um, and we're, we're, we're kind of just getting started. Like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of ideas we have in terms of how we can make that space really, uh, now, really um, it's a, it's all electric. So we got to remember that. So this is right off the box. It's pretty good for boondocking, I would assume. Right. So how, how long can you boondock in this thing without hookups? Like easily a week. Easily so, a week. That, be, well, if you're, you know, that, that would be, I think one, one of the goals for us in, in the whole product is ease of use and sort of like a set it and forget it mentality where you don't have to um, be constantly monitoring your, you know, your fuel levels and, and things like that. It should, it should really be pretty, pretty hands-free. And so, yeah, the, you know, what we're aiming for is that you would be able to be comfortable in, inside of that space, running your air conditioner, running all their appliances as, you know, freely and, and do that for a week. Uh, and then I would imagine it can be hooked up in a traditional campground, just like uh, like any other RV, right? Just plug it in. Yeah, I mean, an interesting thing about um, the the way the the vehicle is engineered is that the the whole the whole backbone of it is an electric vehicle, right? The whole the whole underbelly is a, is is effectively an EV, and that means you can. Um, you could, of course, you could charge it off of an extension cord at your house. It'll just, it'll, you know, it's a, it's a huge battery. So like, like, like a, a passenger car, electric vehicle, it'll take, take a couple days to go from bottom to top. Um, you can also what's called level two charge it, which means if you have a, a high power plug, which luckily most, you know, most RV campgrounds do have a 50 amp hookup. So if you have a 50 amp hookup, you can charge the, the whole thing overnight. So if you were, if you were to pull in in the afternoon, dead empty you're you're full by the time that you know even if even if it's a travel day the next day you can you can unplug and you're good to go and in fact you can you know you can use that plug both to charge your your light ship and pass power through to your truck if you happen to be towing with a, an electric truck as well and then the third thing is that it's a because it's a true ev you can uh, you can also fast charge it so you know if you go to uh for instance, a lot of the WalMarts across the across the interstates now have have these these fast chargers built into them, and so you could you could fast charge both your light ship and again, if you're towing with an electric truck, you could you could be fast charging both the truck and the trailer at the same time, and the and they're, they're, they'll both be charged up and ready to ready to keep moving if you're doing a really long travel day. All of that, and then a lot, you know, the whole basically the whole roof is solar, so you're you're always solar charging as well. Now, the thing that is so attractive to it uh, are those windows. The, I can only imagine what it's like inside. And if you're out boondocking, you really bring the outdoors in. Uh, I would assume they have shades, right? So at night for privacy or if there's too much sun. Yeah, in, in concept form, we show, um, a, a, they call it a photochromatic film. It's like a light switch and the, the whole window goes goes opaque immediately. Okay. We're, we're also working on a, on a traditional blinds system as well to, you know, for, for cost insulation, things like that. So, uh, Toby, when can we, uh, when can we get one of this? You are taking, are you taking <laughs> orders for them now? What do they cost? Do you anticipate different floor plans? I would imagine or different designs. How customizable are they? Yeah, we, uh, we are taking orders, uh, go to our website, website, www.lightshiprv.com and there's a little reserve button. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and uh, we're we're going into production end of next year, so end of 2024 uh, is when we'll produce our first vehicles. Um, right now, we have sort of two two different versions, um, and and these are just sort of like the, the the sort of you know the the platforms that you can pick. One we call the L1 Essential, one we call the L1 Long Range, and the principal difference is that the L1 Long Range has a larger battery and the drive system that we that we spoke about. Um, starting price is, is $125,000. Um, and something that's pretty cool, uh, I think we're, we're, we're the first to do this, is um, you're actually eligible for, uh, for a tax credit uh, if you purchase uh, a light ship. And it's, it's actually, interestingly, the same tax credit if you put uh, solar on your house. It's called the, the Solar ITC. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, um, you know incentive to put uh, you know, renewable generation on your home. Uh, that that applies also to to uh, to the lightship as well, and so with with that tax credit, the starting price is just under one hundred twenty thousand dollars. And how long is this unit? I didn't think I, I don't think I asked you that. How long is it? It's uh, twenty seven feet. Twenty seven. So it's a good size. Um, ben, uh, this isn't just vaporware, right? You guys have had enough EV experience that this really is going to be on the market. We're confident in twenty twenty four. Like we hate vaporware. We hate it. Yeah. Can't like we can't bring ourselves to release it. We hate it. Uh, yeah. I mean, this was actually one of the uh, one of our big debates within the company early on was we could go really fast and release the concept of the product in a mostly digital form, or we can slow down, build more of an engineering team, really do the work to uh, you know on the back end to to engineer this vehicle, then build a true working prototype from it with all the you know all the finishes full scale and we uh we we opted to to take the the, the second approach um we're still of course we're still developing this as a product it's we're still working on durability for instance is a is a key thing we're still refining some of the design features yeah. things like that but it's um it's 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 pretty far towards towards you know it's it's a very refined concept that we have right now and, and we think um yeah, we're, we're confident that, that it's going to be it's going to be ready at the end of next year. For are you going to no. show it at any of the RV shows like uh, Hershey coming up in the fall? Do you think uh, any plans uh, that people will be able to see it ahead of time? Uh, yeah, we ha we have a whole uh, sort of event schedule, uh, you know, that's taking taking us through into you know into next year, and um, you know, that's right, right now it's it's sort of like largely based you know kind of on the west coasts uh, and sort of the mountain west. Um, but yeah, our, our plan is to do a kind of like full national tour. We'll we'll hit some of the the big RV shows, and and you know, the the purpose here is to get as many people you know into it and touch and feel and experience it. Um, you can see it on our website, but you know, for anyone who's spent time in RV, it's 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 a little different to actually be in it and feel it, and especially with our concept where it's you know very open, tons of glass. You really gotta, you really gotta yep. see it, right? We we really want people, both who are coming into RVing for the first time and people who've been RVing all their lives, to come and see this prototype, actually experience it for themselves, and tell us what they think. You know, I saw once, uh, I think it was two years ago, Airstream showed one of their units with a remote control that would actually back itself in to a to a site after you disconnect it. I'm sure you guys saw that and are aware of that. Are you looking at features perhaps like that coming uh, down the line as well? Yeah, we're looking at it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me know when I could see it. Our uh, our audience would love to see it. And I uh, I think it's one of the most exciting things we've seen in terms of innovation in the industry in a long time. So 
uh, Toby and Ben, thank you guys for, for making time on the podcast. And uh, thanks for all that video that you sent that we've been able to put in the, the video version of the podcast. As people watch it, they can actually see the light ship. And as I said, we can't wait to get out there and see it ourselves. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you, Thanks, Mike. Yeah, we love our being. We love our job. So what do you think of the light ship? I think it is awesome. <laughs> and it's coming. It's coming. These are the yeah. pioneers. Yeah, those guys, did you see his reaction when I said, is this all just, you know, vaporware promise but not developing? And they're very, they know what that means because they come from that uh, high-tech uh, area where uh, they know people over-promise. But they are, this thing, they, they're testing it out now. And uh, it's just, uh, it's going to be a little bit longer, but uh, pretty cool. I love all those windows in mm -hmm. it. And uh, yeah, the RV industry is... Uh, Take a note of how many people are interested in camping in there. And this is the first of the, the most innovative of all the EV RVs we've been reporting on, I think. All right, when we come back, we have lots of news for you. The RV News of the Week is our next segment. Stay with us. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds, competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that just might be right for you. It was for us. Jennifer and I bought some land just west of Nashville, Tennessee, in an incredible collection of mountaintop properties called the Woodlands at Buffalo River. These are 5 to 140 acre properties. Build a house, a cabin, outbuildings, or RV year-round, starting at $79,900. It's your property, your way, 100% ownership, and the scenery is breathtaking. You can landscape, garden, bring your pets, build what you want to. There's high-speed internet, and it's so private. It's a great place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations. It's ready whenever you want. They're selling these by appointments, 5 to 140-acre sites, from $79,900. There's great financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit MyRVLand.com. That's MyRVLand.com. Welcome back, everybody. Time now for the RV News of the Week. You want to start us off with lots of news this okay, week. Okay, got the first story. Uh, do you ever get confused trying to remember which national parks now require timed entry reservations, which don't, and which uh, have new parking sticker requirements and more? Well, we do too. And that's why we want to share this story we found in USA Today. It's a nice summary of what you need to know about several popular parks that uh, now require these uh, requirements, that now have these requirements, many of which uh, we have been reporting about in the past. So, uh, now, take Smoky Mountain. Yeah. The Great Smoky Mountain National Park now requires a parking pass for everyone who plans to stop for 15 minutes or more. Now, the deal with that that makes that really interesting is uh, when the Park Service got that land, the people who gave the land, there was a restriction on it, and that was they could not charge an admission fee for it. Now, that's America's most popular, most visited national mm -hmm. park. But uh, this thing really changes everything around. And how did they get, tell them how they got around this idea of not having a entrance fee. Well, if you need to park for more than 15 minutes, <laughs> you got to pay. Yeah. 
this is not good. No, uh, well, just, at least in our view. In our view, it's just... And, and I guess I do understand because so many people go in those parking lots. We've seen them. They're very crowded. And why do so many people go? Because it's free. <laughs> it's free. And it's an awesome park. But that's not the only one where they're changing some of the rules and some of the long, uh, uh, long-held traditions of the park in terms of going in and out that you need to know about. Okay, next we've got Arches. And you need a $2 timed entrance reservation up until October 31st. And then Glacier has many new reservations, including timed vehicle entrance tickets to access going to the Sun Road, the North of Folk, uh, mini glaciers and uh, two medicines from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the summer. All new dates. All new dates. So Very I guess uh, the best thing we can suggest to you is pay close attention uh, if you're going to go to one of these national parks uh, because uh, a lot of things have changed uh, this year. Uh, and speaking of national parks, the National Park Service reports about 312 million recreational visits last year wow that's up five percent from 2021 which had set a record and i think 2020 also set a record so they have been tracking uh visits to the parks uh since 1904 and overall visits are up in 2022 but they were not as high as they were just pre-covid in 2019 when there were 327.5 million so a trend in 22 according to the National Park Service, is more visitors branched out to less visited parks. And it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting report because more people discovered other national parks instead of the big, you know, famous ones. Uh, and that's something we have long suggested is, uh, you know, to go out and visit some of the parks that don't have the big crowds. Well, people are doing that, but it's sort of taken away from the massive growth that we saw. While it's going up, it's not as big as it was before COVID, which surprised me. It's all good. Yeah. And now another flooding story. Flooding is causing closures at several campgrounds, state parks and bridges and more along the northern part of the Mississippi River. Minnesota's Fort Snelling State Park is closed indefinitely because of flooding. And Iowa's Buffalo Shores Campground, also on the Mississippi River, is closed. The Mississippi River is, is flooding because of the warmer weather is melting massive amounts of snow. And the states that are particularly hard hit include Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. And with uh, some uh, predicting major flooding this week, with the Mississippi River reaching its highest level in 20 years. And it seems like we've had a lot of reports uh, in recent months about extreme weather conditions. You know, whether it's heavy snow, strong winds, tornadoes, and now flooding. Yeah, and this has been a really rough spring. As we record this, uh, this week, here it is in <laughs> almost the end of April, and we had snow here in western Michigan where we're, we're coming to you from this week. We had snow just this morning. It was crazy. Oh, well. Hey, another story that we have been reporting a lot on, it seems, has been the rise of thefts uh, involving RVs. And there's uh, another one out there, uh, Pennsylvania State Police now are asking for the public's health in identifying a $60,000 travel trailer. It was stolen from the best choice trailers and RVs in Irwin, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, thieves broke through the dealer's fence at night. They backed in with a, a three-quarter ton uh, Dodge truck. 
2500 series. They hooked up the trailer and they sped off. The whole thing captured on video. It's a Flagstaff Super Light. It had been sold. Uh, the owners were literally coming to pick it up the next day. There's a $5,000 reward offered, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for this episode, which you'll find on rvlifestyle.com. And, um, you know, I, it's another reason that uh, we have to take security now um, very serious. We've had a number of reports about people having them stolen right out of their driveways as well. So um, take a take chance. All right, one more story. Okay. This is a good story. Have you ever wondered what's the country's best state for camping? I know I have. And according to a new study, it's Wyoming. Did that surprise you? Wyoming? No, Wyoming, you I know. Mean, it's a beautiful I, state. Wyoming, Montana, those are, those yeah, are my oh, favorites. Yeah, gorgeous. And uh, the study ranked states after analyzing 10 factors ranging from campsites relative to the state's population number of national parks and landmarks relative to the uh, state's area, gas prices, number of hiking trails, and more. And the study found that Wyoming had the highest number of RV parks, highest number of paid or free campsites relative to the state's population, and third highest number of hiking trails. Montana was close behind in second, with New Mexico in third place. We will link to more information about all these stories that we have reported uh, at rvlifestyle.com. Just look under the podcast tab and for episode 444, and you can find out more information and links to everything we've seen. All right, when we come back, we're going to um, talk to uh, the queen bee of RV, Brenda, who gives us our RV tip of the week, and she's going to talk about something that is really important. Uh, if you don't have one, you need to know how to use it and you need to get one. An electronic management system, an EMS, it's more than a surge protector for your RV. Brenda will walk us through all what that's about coming up after this. One of the most exciting developments for RVs is happening out west in Arizona. Western Land and Ranches is selling five-acre high-elevation ranches just off the famous Route 66, the birthplace of the American road trip. And these are beautiful, secluded tracts of land surrounded by majestic mountain ranges with sweeping valley views. The high elevation is a unique microclimate as well, giving you cooler temperatures, green grasses, and tree cover, making it unique for desert property. The community is in the center of it all, close to the best of the West, Grand Canyon, Las Vegas, Lake Havasu, Lake Mead, Lake Mojave, the Colorado River, Flagstaff, Sedona, and Historic Williams. If you're tired of crowded RV parks and paying high fees for sites, well, ownership might be right for you. This incredible collection of mountaintop properties called Greenwood Ranches hit the market and it's selling out fast. There is no HOA. You can build a house, a cabin, outbuildings, or just RV. It's your property, your way, 100% ownership. Visit the website to get details and set up a showing, ArizonaRVLand.net. That's ArizonaRVLand.net. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, 
we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it, as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. And now it's time for the RV Tip of the Week from Brenda, the Certified RV Inspector. She is uh, Queen Bee of RV, and that's the name of her business, by the way, Queen Bee RV. Uh, Brenda's uh, passion and her focus is on educating RVers and how to take care of their RVs themselves. She has a special emphasis and does a lot of speaking around the country uh, at different uh, gatherings, uh, for, particularly for women RVers, but she's a regular contributor to our podcast here, and she shares her expertise with our entire audience, and today we're going to learn about an EMS surge protector, why um, this is more than just a surge protector, why you need an EMS, electronic management system for your RV. Hey, Brenda, what's up? You might have heard that a surge protector is an important piece of equipment to have for the RV experience. It's not only important, I suggest it's a must have when it comes to protecting your investment and safety. These devices are the first line of defense against unpredictable campground issues. Power surges are what most RVers think about when dealing with those issues. And another one that you might not be aware of is called a brownout or low voltage. These can cause an increase in amperage and subsequently potential damage to wiring and connections. Other functions that the electrical management devices can do include checking for reverse polarity, open ground, and open neutral. Reverse polarity is something that could result in a hot skin condition, and that's dangerous to humans and pets. Most all of these are a type of surge protector. Some are less expensive and have fewer functions than that, and some have multiple functions and higher price tags. Here's a fun fact. We have come to use the EMS letters to describe all of these larger multifunction devices. However, that's actually the model name for one of the progressive industry products. Note, you get what you pay for. The higher end devices are continuously monitoring for a load of issues and not simply shutting down in case of a surge. They come in 50 amp and 30 amp models. Best practices, turn the breakers off at the pedestal, plug in the device, breaker back on, and then it might take a minute or two to run through its process. When the device has determined that the conditions are safe, it will allow voltage to flow to the RV. Also, make sure there is a tight connection between your cord and the device. You might even choose to leave the cord and the device connected even when in storage. Hope this information was helpful, and I'll see you next time on the next episode. Back to you, Mike and Jen. That information was really helpful, and thank you, Brenda. Now, we're going to talk um, in our App of the Week segment here. Uh, this is uh, always uh, taken uh, from the information we get on the uh, NewTravelTech.com travel blog. It's our sister blog, and it uh, celebrates the many ways that technology enhances the entire travel experience. And this week, we're going to talk about Chat GPT, that um, rather controversial uh, artificial intelligence tool that everybody has been talking about lately. And we're going to talk a little bit about it today because it's as one of our Facebook members has found. 
a great way to use the latest version of that chat GPT to help in the travel plans. And uh, I had no idea that, it, I mean, I've been messing around with it myself and amazed at what it'll do. But uh, Rob B is one of our members in our RV Lifestyle Facebook group. And you want to read what Rob uh, posted there? Okay. I started going through my normal process of opening up RV Trip Planner, putting in my starting, ending points, and hours I want to drive, etc. I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but I used Chat GPT and had my route planned out in about five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. And also had to give me a list of parks in uh, each area. It saved me hours of work. Now, it's amazing what he did. You got to learn what to write in that chat GPT. And we're going to put a link on this on our website. But uh, he wrote a prompt and, and I'm going to read it to you at what he said. And then if you're not going to be able to write it all down as we read it, but go to rvlifestyle.com and look under the podcast tab and you can pull up the show notes for this episode. But here's how he wrote. He wrote it uh, telling chat GPT. He said, Act as an expert travel planner and travel consultant. Please provide a detailed driving itinerary from, and then there's a blank that you can put in from whatever city you're in to wherever you're going. And then he said, I want to drive between a minimum miles per day that you want, set that, and a maximum, list that as well, every time I drive. Assume that I drive X miles per hour. At each stop, give me a list of RV parks with their website URL, their address, their phone number, the number of stars based on reviews, and the approximate cost per night, and present that information for each stop in a table format. So you can copy and paste this and just fill in your own info. And it's amazing. Uh, on our on our uh, our show notes for this episode, we'll post a picture of the table that was returned. And it was just such an. He's got a little sheet of paper. You could print that up. Okay, we got all these parks, and then you can check further or just call them and get stuff. It's an interesting prompt and command, and an interesting way to use that Chat GPT. Can you imagine how easy? It's absolutely brilliant. And I mean, why wouldn't you use that? But the bad part is, we're all going to lose our sharpness for doing all these details now yeah that's and i wouldn't want to rely on it entirely because i think his area was going to arizona and he missed a couple of i think scenic spots that i would have i would have gone because it gave him you know the the bigger sites and the ones that were based on reviews but it's a great start and you know for planning stops and where you're going to go I, I was just amazed and and then you you have it presented to you in a form that you like that table it's anyway go try it yourself and we'll put that prompt just go to rvlifestyle.com again you look on the podcast and you'll see all of our podcasts there you can go back and listen to best ones or the most current one i bet we're going to use it the next time we go on a trip oh yeah i want it's fun it's fun it to see fun. this yeah yeah it is all right when we come back to the rv question of the week you ever had uh some problems with a hoa or a condominium board or somebody saying you can't park your drive your rv in your driveway well we're going to talk about that in just a little bit so come back for the questions of the week right after this when we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our rv it's an easy answer 
Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And it'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back. Now time for the RV question of the week. Who is this one from? This is from Kevin and Kevin writes, any suggestions on how to get our condo HOA to allow one of the newer class B models that is nondescript and doesn't look like a recreational vehicle. And that comes from Kevin. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kevin asked a question that we get asked a lot, not just by condo folks who live in a condo, but also people who live in a neighborhood and it's uh, governed by a, a, a homeowners association and those HOA rules prohibit in most of them or many of them RVs. Now, I think most of those are aimed at the larger RVs, you know, a class A, uh, great big fifth wheels, uh, trailers. Bob is lucky, or Kevin is lucky in the sense that he has um, a Class B, a camper van. And he says it's nondescript, so that's important. So that probably means it doesn't have that obvious awning yes, on the side. Yes, that's one of the first things that we would suggest to him is uh, make it, take away any of the decals that yes. you have that would say, you know, RV or anything like that. Your stickers, your map of the The states. country, yeah, with all the places <laughs> you visited. all the states you visited. Screams, RV, RV. <laughs> uh, and, and removing an awning, you know, even though we like our awning, that's a dead giveaway that it is an RV. That's not going to help you uh, in and of itself because you still have technically an RV. So I think the first thing we would suggest is you go to your neighbor's and say and show it to them and ask them if they have any objection if you'd keep that in your driveway or your parking spot uh, ask them that if you have a home for those of you who are in residential neighborhoods if you park it in your driveway or around back someplace and it, get your neighbors to, to sign a little thing saying hey you know we we have no problem with that you know we don't think it looks bad at all and then you got to take it to the board, to the condo board, to the homeowners association board. You might even want to take some pictures of your camper van so they can see what it looks like. Because it doesn't, it, it really just a van, you know. Lots of people use vans like that for transportation. Mm -hmm. You might want to bring it to the board people and have it out in front or bring it to the, you know, to wherever they're meeting and let them see it. Um, for those of you who have residential uh, neighborhoods with an HOA that prohibits it. We have heard, this is costly, but, you know, uh, we've heard of people who've uh, either enlarged, uh, rate, usually you have to get a higher uh, uh, garage door so you can drive it inside the garage. They've enlarged or built garages and then they keep the RV inside the garage and the HOA has written off on that, said, okay, you can do that. That's expensive, but, you know, if that's what you want to do, um, but 
you can present this all to the board, but it's up to the board. <laughs> and uh, there is no guarantee any of this is going to work. I guess that if it all fails, your next option, and probably your last option, is to consult with an attorney who specializes in condominium law uh, or homeowners association and get their advice and, and appeal it um, and just take it as high up as you can. Always remembering to be polite and nice and uh, don't look like uh, Cousin Eddie in the movie uh, Vacation, you know, <laughs> when he was emptying the, the black tank in the sewer out front of Clark Griswold's house. That was a terrible scene, wasn't it? And that's what I think HOAs and a lot of condo associations worry about. And then the other thing is, you know, they take up a lot of space uh, and uh, some of the developments don't have a lot of parking for it. So you've and, got to work with them. And people just don't want to look at it. They don't. A lot of people don't. You know, they think it's a, it, it lessens the value of the neighborhood and lots of different uh, baggage that people bring to that when they hear the word RV. Yeah, people, they don't want boats in the driveway. They don't want above ground pools. You know, there's yep. a lot of yep. things that cause homeowners association. There's a lot of good things with an HOA, you know, but there's also some of the things that you have to live with. And one of them is that most of them won't let you, won't let you keep an RV there. Now, maybe you can keep it around back. You know, they may have, you can petition them and maybe they have a, enough parking in a different area where they could put some small RVs, but you've got to take it up to them. And again, always be polite and understanding and nice and never demanding. Just good advice whenever you're dealing with anybody, right? Right. All right. Well, we're going to be nice and we're going to say bye because <laughs> it's time to end this podcast. We'll be back next week with more. And again, uh, all the information we talked about, you can find on our, our RV Lifestyle uh, page, uh, rvlifestyle.com. Look at the podcast tab and you can find all of our issues there. You got a question? You have a comment? Maybe you've had success with uh, getting a, a restriction listed from an HOA or a condominium board. Share it. We can share it with other people as well. Or just send your questions. Our personal email is mikeandjen at rvlifestyle.com. Happy trails. 